10 years, three boys, one question, are we friends? Hello, Diane. I'm sitting here with a cup of coffee in my hand, a computer mouse in my other, and a small roll of United States postal stamps before me. There is a small phone charging to the right of that. But please be sure to pick up my dry cleaning. By the way, I am your co-host, Taylor. I am your co-co-host, Brian. And I'm Jorge. And this is the show where three boys go through their interests one at a time to see if they are actually still friends anymore, or if it's just an inertia. Hey, real an, quick. An inertia? What's the show an, called? Inertia. <laughs> What's the name of the show that we're on? Oh, you are we friends? You no, know, wow, I didn't say it. Oh, I you know what? That's actually perfect for this because, you know, no, a better entry for this topic would have been if I had just done nothing but silence for like a full five minutes and like one name come up and the sound of a sawmill or something going. Then, then it would be totally thematic. But no, this is Are We Friends? I am your co host, Taylor. The other one's Brian. And the last one is Jorge. Thanks. Okay. What are we talking about today, Brian? So this is wow. There's like no rails under the show anymore. It's just complete chaos. But that's pretty fitting for at least part of this topic. We're I'm starting my. I'm pretty sure it's gonna be like a four part, probably five with how many episodes and something else. Uh, escapade through the wonderful in heavy quotes world of Twin Peaks. Twin okay, Peaks. You put wonderful in heavy quotes. What do you mean by that? Wonderful in that it is, I guess it is actually wonderful, but it's not like delightful or nice or a oh, good world. Oh, you just mean the, the events within yeah. the world are not, like it's not wonderful to the characters who are Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like it, it kind of inspires wonder to the audience. But like if I were, if I went through most of the events of this, you know, the this multimedia project, mm-hmm. I would not be like, I would not rate it at the end wonderful. You know what I mean? Yeah, Emily pointed out that, like, have we seen a single woman not be brutalized yet? Uh, like, when we are, like, episode oh. <laughs> three, like, I'm pretty sure every woman who's been on screen gets beaten or, like, something bad happens to them at some point so every far. Every woman is sad at some point. Yeah. I know for a fact maybe a third of them are pretty much guaranteed brutalized. There are some that I know that don't really go through, like, that are sad. They are bummed out by the other women who are their friends getting brutalized, but uh, they themselves the, don't necessarily. I think I okay. I got the the lowest down I can think of. The one that's being the least brutalized <laughs> Laura is the Palmer. receptionist. At the, <laughs> no, <guess> not Laura <laughs> Palmer. The receptionist at Oof. the police station. Oof. Oh yeah, yeah, the busybody. Yeah, yes. absolutely. She is a little bit upset, and her storyline mainly revolves around being into the deputy. But, Correct. The bumbling okay. fun. So we're not winning game. awards here, but, you know. Well, there's no. So many questions that I will have <laughs> okay. over this episode, and hopefully we'll rein it in over the next few Twin Peaks adventures. But um, the, the third peak. The third put, peak. Yeah. Is to, to put it the, as, a ma- as a roadmap of it, I will just say we're going to do the first season today because we've been all out of whack with our schedules, so we didn't really have, like, I mean, the show's... The original show is like 30-something episodes, but 30 it's exactly. still like fucking, it's like, oh my God. Um, we'll do the next season, since we're in an advance now, we have time to go through all the episodes. We'll do the second season for the next one. We'll do the movie Fire Walk With Me, and then we'll do, hopefully we can get through The Return, which is 18 episodes, in one episode of our show. So we'll have four parts of it to cover everything. For sure. That makes sense. First of many questions, the deputy, the one who can't quite keep it together, what? Explain the one that, that played character. Played for to me. laughs. You okay, mean the yeah. one who can't the one, keep okay. it together. That was my that first is question. Comedy. <laughs> is this supposed to be funny? The fact that he's just like weeping every time, like he's a deputy who can't stand the sight of a dead body. Like that's that's a dark joke. Or like yeah. there is a point where. Is he? Is he a person with disabilities? Like, I don't is that think is that so. what we're going no, for? No, no, okay. no. He it's like, it's literally hard. Like, it was a question that I had. Yeah. The the thing I will say with that for sure is he is a Barney Fife character. Like, he is a 
goof. He is Don Knotts from Andy Griffith. He is not. Yeah, you, that's not, the, that's no, the he's not portraying as someone. With okay, because really, he's not doing Twin, that. Twin Peaks very he's, specifically is like obviously taking from a lot of different TV genres. Yeah, one of them being like those old school TV shows where there just is like a bumbling guy because he's just like. That's me. Because it's I've, fun. I slip a... on banana peels. Bingo. Yeah. Like... It was. It's just because of that that sort of juxtaposition between a lot of like comedic and dramatic yeah. elements. It gets very difficult to tell like what what is my reaction? What is my expected and like derived reaction? Hey, from this right welcome now? to David Lynch stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of um. Oh, okay. That was certainly of interest, but. Was that the joke? Sometimes the joke is very obvious. Sometimes he is like, here's humor. Here, just oh, yeah, straight yeah. up yeah, raw dog. Here is a funny man. And you're like, that is funny. And I laughed at the funny man. And then you see something, you're like, what the fuck am I supposed to think of that? Was that yeah, I think one of the, what? <laughs> the most obvious things to look at is like the, the melodrama behind how hard uh, Laura Palmer's parents are grieving. Right? Because that's not, yeah. that's not, it's clearly not done as just being dramatic, right? Like it's, it, he does it over the top, but honestly, it hits real hard with me. I'm like, this is see, so sad. When you brought that up, I um, my immediate reaction was, no, I'm pretty sure that's a shoot. Like, that's just supposed to be real. The weird, so the I think basic that's like premise a known, of Twin Peaks. Yeah, like, like soap opera, like taken from soap operas. Like, that's what I mean by like this melodramatic, is, like over the top ex- kind yes. of reaction. Yeah, in that it is, it is, some of it is like rosy acting. Like, it is for, you know, almost pantomime sort of level of stuff. But like, because it is... A a turning slash satire of soap operas. So Twin Peaks was created by Mark Frost, who had been a story editor on a cop show that had kind of reinvented the genre. Like, you know, it was a newer take on a cop show sort of thing for the time. And David Lynch, who was fucking David Lynch, who is this experimental weirdo filmmaker who had a bunch of success in the 80s, and then in 1990, they were like, here is... He's like, I have a show I want to make. And ABC was like, sure, we don't, whatever. We will put this on network television. Was shocked that this was not HBO. Uh, finding out no. that it was first released on ABC was <laughs> yeah. mind-blowing. That's that's the thing about it, and that's there, there's multiple things to, to briefly talk about its sort of impact and influence, because we know... I think the golden age, we talked about the golden age of TV sort of thing with the Sopranos kicking off a lot of stuff. In a way, not directly, Twin Peaks is a precursor to a lot of the stuff that starts to be put on with prestige television. Um, Mainly, it's cinematography. Like, this mostly looks like a good, a well-shot show. Like, it just looks like cool put stuff together. But, like, you'd see David Lynch creep everywhere in this he he only directs the pilot and i think he directs like the last two episodes of like the whole show mm-hmm. but like they were uh, i was just reading up and him and mark frost the two co-creators were very careful as to who got to direct episodes in the first season so it's clearly the same style of thing like they wanted yeah. to look a certain way which was essentially cinema light for television which works out great because everybody on TV goes, holy shit, this doesn't look like any of those bad shows I fucking sit here and shove popcorn into there my is, face and watch. This is like a movie sort of thing. The the one the shot that I want to mention, it's in the <laughs> it's in the last or the second to last episode. It's the the manslaughter husband of the of the diner, the lady that owns the diner. Um yes. Anna. Yeah, he comes uh, when, it's Hank is the guy you're talking about, right? The taller yeah, who, who when he he comes back to town and he's and he's shaking down the God, I'm so bad with I have okay. all of these the, names, the names in my I can tell you all the names. Me. I'm usually so good at this, and that it's was another thing that like really like put Laura me off my Palmer, footings because I like Bobby or Harry S. Truman, the goddamn detective. Harry S. Truman is A plus. I literally like... I forgot like, I heard it at the beginning. I swear to God I did not hear that name again until, until... like almost the last episode I had completely forgotten. Yeah, like <laughs> Um The woman who owns the sawmill. Catherine. Catherine, who whose husband died, or Josie, 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 Josie. yeah. So the widow. Hank, I guess it is, is yes. shaking down Josie, and they have the shot where she's like lower, and he's like behind her, and a little bit higher, and then there's antlers behind him, like on yeah. the wall. So it looks like he has antlers, and I'm like, ooh, somebody's getting an A in their cinematography yeah, class today. Like, ooh, good for you. 
Oh yeah, like, someone's gonna use so that like exact obvious. still in a like an undergraduate paper. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, many many A's were gotten on the back of that the, that shot. The, yeah, I but on totally the, um, agree. It's, but also, as the beginning of prestige television, what I what I definitely see, um, and where I think the biggest influence that I think a lot of people could connect to is in Mad Men. Um, I know that Matthew Weiner looked a lot towards Alfred Hitchcock when he was kind of designing okay. the feel of Mad Men, but uh, uh, especially in the first the, few. And this is a who who is this? Matthew Weiner is the creator of Mad Men, and, and just his, like, his name is his name is what? I'm telling you, Matthew Weiner. Okay, Matthew. we're just gonna leave that. We're just gonna leave that on the tape. <laughs> I mean, okay. no, 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 usually it's in his. It's pants, your show, but, you guys. I was you know. gonna say he doesn't leave it on the table. He's not. He didn't get canceled or me tooed for some shit. <laughs> Keeps uh, it no, where it's supposed to be. Matthew Weiner. In the first episode, uh, very intentionally in the script, no one's name is said because um, it's less exposition and more dead realism um as well as there's a whole lot of scenes where just silence is happening and you're kind of like slow tracking shots over some event that's not necessarily Mm -hmm. in the foreground but is the focus happening and that seeing the especially the first few episodes are really like the establishing shots at the beginning of any episode like oh okay cool yeah uh, i see this i see exactly where this ended up (laughs) on other network or cable channels a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I kind of don't know where I want to go with this. Cause we're only doing, we're covering eight episodes and I don't want to do a rundown of the plot, but we will yeah. get into certain like points about it because that's also, you know, we'll get into, I guess the, the point of the show on some level was whether it, or not the, the log was alive. Stop it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> who, who killed Laura Palmer? Thank you. Who killed Laura Palmer was like a, water cooler fucking question in nineteen ninety. Like people were like, holy yeah. fucking shit. Who killed this is the thing I wanted to say. The movie, the premiere of the two hour I think it technically was a two parter. Like they split the episodes when they did the full list, but like yeah. those first two episodes basically feature length pilot. Did a it did a twenty two in the ratings, which is something like 24 million people like televisions and it did a this is the thing about it it did a 33 share a 33 percent share which means one in three people who had the network were watching it when twin peaks was on and that's a big three network that was basically one in three people with television like it was fucking insane it beat up cheers for a while, like that, uh, the pilot like beat up yeah. Cheers. It lowered its rating. Like they were is that's crazy so popular. fucking funny. I'm imagining like you know if something horrible and dramatic like Twin Peaks was beating out the Big Bang Theory. Like yes, that just that's like, basically that's yeah, so like, very fucking funny to me. Absolute trauma. Man, it must have been so embarrassing to come into work on Monday and you're the only one who hasn't seen <laughs> Twin Peaks yet. Watch Twin yeah, Peaks. good luck ever watching it or trying to get into this show on episode <laughs> oh, two yeah what are you gonna go home and netflix it think <laughs> again buddy it's no, 1990 fucked you got a whole year until this gets syndicated <laughs> sorry nerd and then oh i will we can talk about the so again this is only two seasons like it got a full it got kind of a full order for its second season but david lynch was like i'm gonna write a cliffhanger at the end of this and then they didn't get picked up for a third <laughs> season and the balls people just had to live with it for 25 (laughs) years i remember growing up that my mother my mother hated certain kinds of things in tv and the one Mm -hmm. she said was non-conclusion and she said the x-files and twin peaks a lot and i remember like watching the x-files like oh i get it like i understand why she didn't like this because it's you know it's it's an episodic monster of the week sort of thing and another cultural phenomenon that she never got into but like i didn't understand for twin peaks like it's two seasons like they're not gonna wrap this up and now i know there's a fucking cliffhanger to look forward to so (laughs) don't great i in the goosebumps episode escape from Horrorland. They literally finished the episode with a cliffhanger of of literally like a literal cliffhanger because the family's in their station wagon hanging off of a cliff, and the 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 game show host or whatever just laughs and laughs at you, and I'm still <gasps> waiting to find out what <laughs> happens to the Morrisons. So. <laughs> yep. Oh my god! Um, but we're gonna we're talking before the, any cliffhangers or things. I was going to say weird things, but that's not true. They are here in the beginning, in the like 
part of the show. Because this, like a lot of, like some David Lynch stuff, this teases with like the supernatural. Mm -hmm. This is not just tease. There's a secret society that says that there are evil things, like an evil log energy may may not be sentient. It, I, this is a recent rewatch for me, right? Like I've watched this multiple times now. So when I came into it, I was like, man, it really doesn't like pick up until there's a very clear thing that happens. And I'm like, no, it's episode three that we just get into straight up. Like, this is just supernatural shit. Like there is an episode three, the dream. Yeah. Which, which is, (laughs) I thought it it is still confusing and vague and Lynchian in terms Mm. of like what it is, you know, this Honestly, the red room that you see uh, Agent Cooper in during his dream where he yeah. talks to these people is like the default, this is a weird David Lynch thing now because of how fucking yeah. popular Twin Peaks was. But like, um, th- it's surprisingly clear in certain parts of it because, two, well, one, because one character shows up and simply says, here is what's happening with me and my friend who is bad and who you have seen. I'm like, well, that's, thank you. I now know who the antagonist is. I very much appreciate this. I didn't realize this dream would be so uh, in you know, helpful and inviting. And then it is not helpful or inviting at all after that. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of this supernatural sort of like vibe to things. But the key thing for uh, David Lynch and Mark Frost, and I want to see if you guys got that or you know bought into this or were interested in it all was Mm -hmm. that they wanted to use who killed laura palmer as an entry point to twin peaks the main drag was we're not david lynch specifically i think mark frost wanted to later david lynch was like i never want to reveal who the killer is i don't want people to know at all who it is i never i have no plans to you know like reveal who Mm -hmm. it is right um for these eight episodes, and I know it's because eight episodes, but that's kind of the interesting, like it's still on this Laura Palmer train, but like, did you guys start getting into everybody else in the town? Or was it basically like, nah, I'm staying on the Dale Cooper, Laura I, Palmer train? I honestly could give a fuck who killed Laura Palmer. Okay. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you. It matters so little to me. I don't know what Agent Cooper does to me, but I just want to hear him talk yes! more, and he's just getting more and more attractive with each <laughs> sentence he splits up. First of all, yes, he I is. Hard agree. Weirdly. You know what it was for me? It was like, I don't know, episode one, maybe, uh, where he like stops the, the waiter uh, at the diner, and I'm like, episode oh, great. Two, here, yeah. episode, like, oh, yep. great. Here we go. I'm like, this, this coffee right here, I have to tell you, is the greatest cup of coffee I've ever had. And like that weird <laughs> cadence that he does. And like, yeah. wow, how how are you making this charming? This yes. is outrageous. And Dale I, Cooper I, or whoever that actor is. Yes. Or Kyle okay. McLaughlin. Yes. Yeah, yeah, incredible. I believe he might as well just be Dale Cooper. <laughs> they specifically had Lynch write all the dialogue for Agent Cooper, I think. Yeah, Mark Frost originally... Like, when they were coming up with Cooper, he basically was like, this is kind of a self-insert for David because he's a weird, idiosyncratic, particular guy, Mm -hmm. but who is incredibly charming because he clearly gets to do all this stuff still, you know, works with all these things. But, like, yeah, so they just put David Lynch in as Dale Cooper, and people were like, Kyle MacLachlan is a very good David Lynch. (laughs) but I, I to really your, captures his essence in the positive qualities. <laughs> but but to answer your questions, like I definitely, yes. uh, it wasn't so much like Jorge, like I don't give a shit. It's like I kept losing track of the fact that I'm supposed to be concerned with who killed Laurel Palmer because there's <laughs> okay. just so many other stories in media res happening. Like there's very, I felt like there was very little exposition into the conflict of what's going on. I think a lot of that is because yeah. more is revealed what was happening the whole time, and it's it's a good script. But I remember, um, like in the in the beginning, you know, I think like, uh, who the hell is the 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 lady whose husband is a trucker? Shelly. Shelly. Leo is the trucker. Okay, Leo is the trucker, and Shelly is sleeping with which high school show. boy? Bobby. Jesus. Bobby. Bobby. Well, she's also a high schooler. She drops oh, out Bobby. in the eleventh grade, so she's. Okay. They're all like eighteen or seven. I mean, not Leo. 
Not Leo. Too old. Leo's older. Because it was one of those things, like, I thought it was exposition at first, like, oh, we can't go back to my house. He's home. They see the truck. Like, oh, clearly dad's home. But then he, like, rips ass out of there. Like, that's a weird reaction to that. Like, oh, wait, no, that wasn't exposition. That was actually a moment of conflict. But it only works in (laughs) retrospect. Like, a lot of it is that, like, the experience of watching Twin Peaks is, oh, that's, okay, that's why that made sense. (laughs) I like that it's in the show you still get the information that you were confused by. I appreciate that. It's not you having to look up later going, oh, that's why? It's, oh, I now understand after the context clues have come in a few seconds later instead of just being confused. I mean, this was me like gripping my coffee table, white knuckled, reading the subtitles, like (laughs) make sure you don't miss a thing. (laughs) Don't look away. You can't. Uh, I think the biggest shock for me with with like the character reveals was actually because a lot of it, you know, it's like you can kind of see where a lot of things are heading and coming. But for I don't know why it's a 27 year or 30 year old show at this point for us. We are very clearly aware of all these tropes. Yeah, but I don't know why it kind of shook me when uh, Dr. Jacoby gets Bobby to admit that Laura Palmer made him start selling drugs. And it's just like, oh, Bobby, were you like a good kid before? And now you're all fucked up because of Laura Palmer. It was, I re that was one of the last things I scrolled, scrubbed over before we got on this call. And yeah, I was like, oh my God, this scene is insane. (laughs) Like this is so intense. Um, But it also does reveal like, I think it reveals one of the big things about that, David Lynch and Mark Frost want to look at in Twin Peaks, which is one, David Lynch fucking loves making nice folksy people have horrible dark secrets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Blue Velvet was the massive hit before this, and it's the same thing, except Kyle MacLachlan is playing basically Bobby in that, and he has to fucking deal with (laughs) all these fucking psychos in his neighborhood. (laughs) Um, But it also talks about, I think, Uh, and we'll get this as the show goes on because you'll see a little bit more of it, like the duality of people. There there is this struggle of, and it's expressly said by, I think in like the fifth episode, something like that, a little bit later in, Sheriff Harry S. Truman says that there is an evil in the woods and that men have been fighting it in Twin Peaks and that's the price they pay for their fun folksy town. And it's like, yeah, every character has that, bit of good and bit of bad and it is interesting to watch them interact with each other and see what gets pulled out of which people like bobby's a shit heel yeah right like he is a fucking asshole for the entire season but that one moment of like he kind of isn't this asshole in some ways or was pushed to be more of an asshole by the prom queen is a very like unsettled for me at least it was a very unsettling moment i thought it was cool i love cooper says when he's finding out about the secret society he says a secret society like with the same excitement and vigor that i had it's like yes finally he is saying that with the vigor of a guy who is already writing his name on the sign-up sheet like he's realizing what he's like a secret society he's so fucking in i love it that is another thing i love is how Dale Cooper is meant for Twin Peaks. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he that at least was the loves point. it. I mean, he doesn't like fit in, but I love that He's he actually loves the town. <laughs> I love that he fights his uh, other the other agent that comes into town. Uh, Albert, Albert, I think is. I don't. Remember yeah, when the name. sheriff punches him and he like defends the sheriff and. Yeah. Oh, I love I love that shit. Dude. By the way, so there's like a bunch of there's a couple of really popular or like. Um, I guess bigger actors in there. There's a couple of like veteran actors in this. There's uh, Dr. Jacoby is played by Russ Tamblin, who was in West Side Story. He was Riff in West Side Story. He was. He was in The Haunting, the original uh, 1950s film. Uh, Piper Laurie is in this. She plays Catherine, who is the evil bitch who doesn't own the mill, but is just horrible and mean. The sister. Yes, of the, the sister widow, the sister-in-law of, the of Josie. Because yeah, it's, anyway, yeah, worry. That's how it's going to be with all of these descriptions, guys. It's going to be the person who does this with that person, and yeah. also this person, and does well, this. The, 
It's nice because everybody's related to each other somehow. Yeah. So as long as you can relate all the <laughs> way back to a name that you do know, then you have You'll the get whole there. chain. Right? Yeah. yeah. If you so can like get a name you, down a name on the board. is your peg, and you've got a couple of kites flying on the same string. But as long as you've got that one peg on the ground, you know yeah, where you are. Josie's <laughs> dead husband's sister. There you go, Catherine. Right? Uh, she's played by Piper Laurie, who was the mom in Brian De Palma's Carrie, the original Carrie. Oh. Um, and then we've got a couple of the log lady and Pete. Pete is Catherine's husband, who is the big goof who goes fishing and is the one who finds Laura Palmer at the beginning yes. of the show. Yeah. Um, he's played by Jack Nance, who was in er- who's the main character of Eraserhead. So he was mm. a big David Lynch guy. And the log lady and him were married, and she worked like crew on Eraserhead. So they're big, they were like David Lynch. Holdout sort of thing. Yeah. So I wouldn't and, be surprised. And who and who played the log? I uh, wa- did. I did. I young... see you scan your brain for what actor <laughs> might have played the log. <laughs> I it saw like, the delay. I was waiting processing. for well, because yeah. I was waiting for the rest of the word. Like I was waiting yeah. for like I was waiting for who played the log lady, and I'm like I do not remember her name at all. And there's who played the log, <laughs> and the silence. Fucking. You, I felt you have like Wiley Coyote. Running so fast and then looking down, and that's so when I drop. Like, you just have to say it completely seriously <laughs> if you want people to walk into your trap. Uh, so there, I that was a weird. Um, what what fascinated me about this is because it's it's hard with the story necessarily because so many things have been influenced by Twin Peaks. It's hard to go back and watch something like this, and for me to be entirely enthralled with just like there's a mystery, weird things are happening in Twin Peaks. But what does fascinate <laughs> me and what I don't think ever fades is like certain qualities of the production, the writing, the directing, and the acting. Mm-hmm. Uh like the actual like everything apart from just like the the surprise of the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um because novelty fades. And totally. what absolutely blew my mind was how convincingly they got a log to no I'm kidding uh, no, but, <laughs> uh, uh, but what uh, what what I really loved and I, I something that Emily brought up because her and I watched this together is uh, different things that you don't consider about a script that are incredible um, for her it was the fact that Josie's the way that Josie speaks is an absolute down to life someone who is fluent in another language but not native in that language. Yeah, like uh, her having lived abroad several times and hearing English spoken as a second language by a variety of people is just like I have never seen something that true to life in a script before. So whoever wrote that and managed to like use English the just right kind of way, it was incredible. Yeah. Like, which well, things just, was, you get right and which things you get wrong. It was yeah. just in re- terms of re- language. Repeatedly, what I noticed it's like. All of her English was like perfect, except for she always got uh, sayings wrong, like proverbs. Yeah, like idioms, proverbs, all that sort of stuff. Which, now that I'm thinking about it, her tutor was Laura Palmer. And I'm like, did she just purposely teach her all these (laughs) phrases wrong so that she would get them wrong? No. Like, why does this poor lady have to go around saying things like even a limp dog finds a hare in the middle of this town? (laughs) Um, Why are you saying no, Brian? Laura Laura was was far too busy. Evil. Oh, learning some other things to teach Laura, Josie. English. It is very clear that Laura actively liked deceiving people. That's true. Yeah. She, she enjoyed got it. Got a kick out of it. There is yeah. a whole recorded message that her lover and her best friend and her, the actor, but her cousin all have to hear at the yeah. dining room table about how she's like, James is such a dumb fucking dork. <laughs> What a loser. What a dumb I'm so donkey. glad I'm having sex with someone else. <laughs> I love that they're all looking at James. He's like, yep. yep. He's just, fuck. Yep. oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that happened. Really glad I started sleeping with her best friend. I was going to, well, okay. And this is the thing. This is another That thing. was another one. Yeah. That yeah. was like episode two. Uh, you know, they, they're like, oh wait, they were sleeping together. Uh, maybe Laura. Pa- oh wait, no, actually they're, they're kind of the good guys in that one. For, no, they, like, and they had not together. done it they're before. They fine. definitely <laughs> was after. Uh, the music that they play whenever anything like that dramatic like that is happening, you the know, theme. I fucking love it, dude. I don't care if it's the same song over and yeah. over and over so and over again, but I it makes funny. me feel good and sad. I'm pretty sure it's Laura's theme. I think that's what it is. I could be completely wrong, but yeah, like that is such a pervasive piece of music in the whole series. Like it gets played. Spoiler, it's not spoiler, but like. 
it gets used in the return 25 years later. They're still like, yes, no, you this have is a good to. piece you can't of music. Drop that. Like we yeah. keep. Um, yeah, the music's incredible. Angelo Badalamenti is the composer. I'm sure he's done other stuff, but I'm gonna click clack on my keyboard too loud if I look him up on that. Yeah. So give me a sec. But um, while you're thinking, yeah. while you're looking up whether or not that's the director, I, well, I had a quick question, like a thematic question about David Lynch's broader canon um, okay. that you would know better. He, it seems like in Twin Peaks we have a like a fascination and disgust with psychoanalysis, um, like a heavy critique of the practitioner of psychoanalysis while being fascinated with it itself, like as a discipline. Yeah. Um, like we have, you know, the struggle to break confidentiality with just the doctor. I don't know. Like, fuck the names, you know, <laughs> Jacoby. Um, Jacoby, Jacoby. Thank you. Jesus. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, like inappropriate relationships between doctors and patients, uh, but they're like a deeply fascinated drive through Dale Cooper to like understand what's happening internally with people. So there seems to like from that, if I were to put on my psychoanalytic lens, uh, there is this. Um, you did the motion like you were going to put a hat on and then you said lens and I got very upset. Oh, no, sorry. I was, <laughs> I was it was a, a <laughs> full gonna... face contact oh, lens, like a Mike Wazowski-esque yeah. lens, <laughs> critical <laughs> lens that you put on. <laughs> so, um, but there is. Yeah, there is like a uh, like a masochistic relationship with it, uh, with psychoanalysis. And I'm wondering if you see that sort of thing often. Like we like there we like therapy. We hate therapists is what I'm seeing a lot in this there to an extent. I yes. Um, I mean, that's it's a big thing in Lynch's stuff in general is to get to the heart of the matter. He has talked about in interviews that he believe like he's kind of paranoid in real life and so he believes that there are secrets everywhere and that the goal is to get to the heart of those see you know find out what they are and maybe solve them if possible but the discovery is the thing like getting into digging to the truth of something is what he cares about so there's definitely a lot of that in there the I don't know if there's a specific reason for the institutional dislike, but he does, like, Dale Cooper, and from a legal perspective, I love this, Dale Cooper uses his dream as probable cause to do everything in the show. Yeah. It yeah. is his PC. Like, if he had to write a warrant on any of these things, thank God they're in a local podunk nothing town where it doesn't matter, even though it does, but it doesn't. You, you know, who gives a shit? Uh, if he was in, again, like, He's FBI agent. He works everywhere. If he was in a major American city and was just like, now to my hunch, I was told in a dream that candy is dandy. And I saw a sign that said dandies and a piece, a candy wrapper on the floor. We're going in because that's where the prostitutes are. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. where the drugs are. And then he would be right. Of course. You no, know what letter is dumb. not in candy? J. Yeah, Even like, further <laughs> proof. <exactly. laughs> That they're hiding something. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know if there is a dislike for institutional stuff or if he was just like, hey, Russ Tamblin, you're a quack and be yeah. a quack. <laughs> That's why I didn't really connect Cooper with anything like therapy wise. Cause like he, everything that he talks about is always about really vibes, you know? Yeah. Like he wants to know the names of the trees and he wants to get like the feeling of a good cup of coffee and like the dreams and the throwing the rocks at bottles. And like, it's all very like mystical and like just... Yeah. intuition and like be you know not not sitting there and analyzing i know he literally sits there and analyzes dreams like psycho <laughs> analysis does but i i get a, just a different feeling from it Dude, you know? like yeah it for to, me like, it's the, the like uh, that drive to see like what is directly on the surface of people is not like is not real there is something sub or like unconscious that we're exactly. trying to figure out and i th i don't know i connected his behavior with that sort of drive of psychoanalysis more than like his behavior like he's acting as a psychoanalyst you know what i mean like there's like the, sure his behavior to me has that that flavor to it like it's very easy to lend something like psychoanalysis to reading this show true definitely i mean th that search for truth i mean having it be a mystery that is your MacGuffin naturally lends you to having an investigative force as your protagonist. So, um, which is interesting. And it gets, that gets pushed a little bit more later, I think. But again, Dale Cooper is 
when you said interpreting dreams, I'm like, I'm pretty sure he is reading them as text. There's no <laughs> subtext to it. Yeah. He takes what he is, they say. Transcribing yeah. them. He takes them very specifically. Or Diana is transcribing he, them. Yeah, fucking Diana. I love that he just talks into a tape recorder and we are to assume that there is a real person behind all of this. Not a stuff. chance. Like, Not a chance. You know what I mean? Like real. it's just you think, he he wears a dress every night, no. types up his own notes. He is Diana. Like, he no just, way am I going to be surprised by that reveal. I'm um, yeah. I, I'm just assuming that it's his the 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 like woman that spurned his love before that he mentions. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm he, he, gotta be like quick that. to get get in front like of me that. on these. That's a good one. Watched a lot of mysteries in my time. Um, the other thing I was gonna say. Oh, the other thing I was gonna say when we were talking about the actors in it is. The cameos, there's a couple of little things in this show that were not necessarily one's an accident and one is on purpose because duh, he wrote lines. But like David Lynch is in this show currently. He was the voice of Gordon Cole, who is the FBI supervisor of Dale Cooper. So that mm-hmm. there's a brief moment in like one or two episodes after Albert gets punched out by Harry S. Truman, where he's like, Agent Cooper, I'm worried about Albert saying blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I don't give a fuck, Gordon. I'm going to mm-hmm. stand by my man who is the fastest friend I've ever made in my life. They had one moment in the pilot because they didn't know who Dale Cooper was fully then. Like, they were mm-hmm. still kind of feeling him out. And where they're like, hmm, a little bit of tension, kind of. And then Harry Truman is just like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much with you all the way. I don't even... Not even gonna try and and I love that he puts you. up zero resistance. Like, and it's it's zero resistance to him going. In my dream, I saw myself super old, and I saw Laura Palmer, who wasn't Laura Palmer, and a little guy who spoke backwards, and he did like <laughs> he just like these are the things that will get us to the truth, and he's like, sure, fine, rock and roll, like, ride or die, fuck it, yeah, all right, yeah, I'll hop on board. Harry I love you, Coop. He's ride or die. You're my boy, Blue. Let's do this. I love that that Cooper just like he unironically just like will do anything to have the town of Twin Peaks accept him in as a fellow resident. Like, he he's like he's do. already looking at buying property. He's making friends with the sheriff. He's like I will be Twin Peaks. He's like I can't believe I found a place that I fit in with so much. And they're like, yeah. do you? And he's like, I do now. I do now. I and I'm joining you. your secret society. I don't care. <laughs> Well, he gets that with an intuition as well because he's brought in and basically he turns to one of the characters named Big Ed who is in love with Norma, who is the owner of the diner. And he looks at them once. He looks at both of them once with one interaction and is like, so how long have you been in love with Norma? And Harry Harry Truman is basically like, I told you. Like, I knew, look, he definitely is super good at this. And he's like, fuck, all right, fine. You could be in our secret society where we do a teardrop motion to look at each other. It's very cool. I like it. Oh, I guess it doesn't mean anything, but motion. I just like yeah. it that it's just them doing this yeah. to each other. I can't tell why they're doing it. It didn't seem to line up with any reasonable... Like, it doesn't seem to mean... It just means something is happening. Again, it's more vibes. It's just... That's, like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just like nothing is consistent enough to go like, okay, cool. Nailed it down. When this happens, it means this. It's like, nope. Yeah. It's in... It's in, it's in the general really... vibe of the thing. The letter J, is that going to get us right there? Every time there's a J, there's a discussion? No. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, J's just happen to be around. I I don't it's know. It's one as, piece of as, hard as... evidence, and they're just using it on every J imaginable. I know. Jesus. Like, half the fucking town signs have a J on them. Like, I'm not quite sure where you think this is going to take you. It's just... Exactly. Yeah, it's both on the little piece of paper underneath Laura's fingernail, yes. and it's the piece that's broken off from the casino chip, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like I, I got, I maybe like I missed it when they first start, started talking about the broken casino chip, but I'm like, what? Are these related Jays? Are they different Jays? <laughs> was it Is also it... in the locket? Uh, was there no. anything in the locket? The, the notebook the lo- has nervous about meeting Jay tonight. That was the original. That's uh, what and it then is. they go. Then yeah. they have the J from the poker chip. They have the exactly like. There's a like lot a, of J's. Exact. See, I half of it again because I don't think they planned on doing. They were just like, 
let's make this a potential J thing. Let's make this a potential J thing. Let's do this yeah. and that and sprinkle a couple of J's in here and do one of those and some of this. And now we're a mess. And I know, like, <laughs> shit, shit, shit. We so, got to figure this. We have to unfuck this mess right now. Um, the other um, the other big thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the women on the show. Yes. Um, first, horribly sexist remark, but I don't care. Um, I need to talk to David Lynch's casting director because I need to be put in contact with these people because they are all complete knockouts. And it is incredible how well they picked classic, like, not necessarily hometown 50s, girl. but like, yeah, like just you. You had me worried queen. when you said you did not care what sexist remark was coming out. I'm like, just I, thinking, thinking they're attractive is okay, Brian. That wrong. Is- I don't. I don't know if it is anymore. Um, no, it's yes. They're all very like Laura Flynn Boyle before she had a horrible meltdown and bad things happened in her life. But like Laura Flynn Boyle, Sherilyn Fenn, Cheryl Lee, Match and Amick, they're all like just an incredible set of like you all were prom. Queen. I don't care that Laura was the only one that you all were because there's no way in hell it wasn't the case. But they are all very interesting to me. I know there's a lot of trauma with all of them. And there's a lot of, like, again, Cheryl Lee, who David Lynch loves as an actress. Like, he, he made her Laura Palmer. But she's dead in the show. She's, yeah. She shows well, I, up I heard in, that... like, two video and shit. Visual, she shows up in a video and, like, two recordings. But she is the entire focus of the show all the time. Because well, I, I had read yeah. that uh, he had just found like a local girl to where they were filming to just mm-hmm. give it the small town vibes, and then they liked her so much that that's why they added her in as the cousin. There's a lot, yeah, because she gets brought in. There's a twin. Pete? There is a there is a sub thing. I can't even call it a plot, but there is like vignettes from a soap opera in universe. Yeah. That basically predicts or tells you what events will be happening in the show. So, like, before Cheryl Lee is brought in, there is a twin plotline briefly shown on the television set. And then Laurel Palmer's cousin, who is played by the same actress, who looks exactly because the same fucking actress, is brought into the show. There's a part where the bad guy, who is basically the Leo stand-in, gets confronted with a gun, and then it happens later. Like, it's just straight up telling you the plot. I'm like, this is incredible. (laughs) I love that Leo is watching that scene as he Yeah, like this! And now it's making me think, like, oh my god, do you think he was thinking about that when he was watching that? Like, that's so (laughs) creepy to just be like, oh my god, this soap opera was telling everything to us. Telling me about my own life as it was happening to me. Um, But I do, like, I think David Lynch gets some flack and I would say probably partially deservedly so for a lot of his treatment of women on screen, mostly because they go through complete hell at the hands of absolute dirtbags all the time. No, another, Velvet uh, psycho is, psychoanalytic moment. Um, yeah. Where her John, her first John is her father. There we go. That's a nice, like yeah. little bit of Freudian magic like, there. It's, it's like, <laughs> Because yep, that yep. uh, like that—that's exactly like that sort of stuff is in there. Because that's uh, that's um, Audrey who loves Dale Cooper, but Cooper is a nice guy <laughs> and is basically like, Asexual. "How old are you?" And she's like eighteen, and he is like, "I nope. am older, so <laughs> no, <laughs> not happening." There's a point where she basically throws herself like she's she's very scared and traumatized and nervous about what's happening. So she in a moment is like. I love you, Dale Cooper. And he's basically like, I like you a lot. You're super cool. They're, you're, you're like I think the you're best. Neat. Like, yeah. You're great. But no. <laughs> and she's like, fuck. And he's like, can we be friends? And she's like, I guess that's all right. I'm well, she really also specifically says that she's going to try to use him to go live a life of glamour. Like, I don't know yeah. that she's actually in love with him. Oh, no, no. I took that as... When are when are you talking about? How early in the show it's, was that? She only after she's only talked to him once at breakfast. Yeah. She goes and she talks to another one of her friends about like. Oh, she talks to Donna about him. Yeah, yeah. in the bathroom, and she's like, yeah. "I'm gonna go live a life of fucking mystery and stuff." I think that turns. I do think that turns to genuine affection by that scene that I was talking about a little bit later mm-hmm. in the season. But yeah, like. She's more fascinated by him at first, and then once she realizes he's a genuine guy, she's like, hey, could you 
every guy I know is a horrible monster. Could you, could we be together? And he's like, yeah. I'm not a horrible monster, so no. I know you're <laughs> trying to make me like you less, but I just like you. But I just, all I'm doing is more attracted. <laughs> That's yeah. what you, wait. Were you saying that or was Audrey saying that? I was like, Audrey, <laughs> move over because I'm getting yeah, in that bed. <laughs> pushing her out <laughs> of Might as well bed. be in there too. Yeah. I am not 18 anymore. So here we come, Mr. Cooper. <laughs> by, the, by the way, this is another, I mean, the show is another example of you know, high school kids and they're all 24 and 25 and 20, like, you know, it's all 20 somethings playing high schoolers. Uh, there was a four, there's like a five year gap between. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin and Sherilyn Fenn. It's not like, LOL. thankfully right. in real life, it's not uncomfortable. Yeah. It's better. Just it's in better the like show. that. I don't yeah, need exactly. them to look like children. Exactly. I, yeah. yeah th- first of all, no, never need that. And it was like, I think one of those early episodes might have been the pilot where, uh, God, what is the sexually adventurous 18 year old's name? The one we were just talking about. Audrey. Oh, Audrey. Audrey. Thank you. Fuck. I'm, so, I'm telling you, I don't know what the fuck it was with this show. You said the Audrey. Century Adventures 18-year-old, and I went, that's I know, the entire I know, cast. I know, that's I know. Well, because of the, the scene sh- that I'm thinking well, of. Since where... we had just talked about it, I was like, who else, who else could he be talking what? about? No, no, no. Because of the scene <laughs> in like maybe the pilot uh, where she comes into the room of the Swedish investors and yeah. just starts being like trouncy and floozy yeah, like, and ingenuish. Like... I can't do this. I can't. I can't. I cannot be like forced to like it, to be bear witness to the sexualization of someone who I pray is 18 years old in real life or more. Who <laughs> was older than 18. And yeah. Because like, yeah. like you feel yourself straining against the direction that all the Swedish man's heads are going yeah. in the same direction. Like, don't not. I'm not. I don't want to do this. I don't. Don't take me on this journey, which yeah. more or less feels like my experience of watching all of Twin Peaks. The, just, I don't want to go on this journey right now. I, see, for me, I was just like, this is an important business meeting, and you need to leave. <laughs> what, There's what are you no doing? time for those yeah, antics right now. <laughs> there are so many reports to be filed and things to be signed. Um, I do, David Lynch has a very uh, because of his thing with secrets and mysteries and that sort of stuff. And his obsession with Americana sort of things. Sex and violence are are a mishmash for him. Like, it is very mishmashy in terms of, like, how they relate to each other and how intertwined they can be. Um, so the person we know who is the most explicitly sexually active is the one who's fucking dead at the beginning of, you know, is the murder victim. Mm. And the, there's a lot of stuff with Shelly and Bobby where she's using, like, She's got a pistol to protect herself from Leo. Oh, yeah. As soon as she whipped that out, it was like, you know this I mean? is like, going to get very sexual. I don't I don't know what he's also necessarily saying with it, but like, there is that inextricable link for him in his shows between sex and violence. And Audrey is interesting because you mentioned that she's very sexual, but like, she kind of isn't and is at the same time because she isn't involved with anybody specifically. No, it's like, like a caricature of sexuality yeah. that she like puts on for various reasons. Yes. She is someone who actively uses it as a currency while everyone else basically does it and suffers its consequences, <laughs> weirdly enough. But she ends up like, again, she is stuck in this position at the end of the season, which is incredibly uncomfortable and gross and horrible. And ugh, and I'm glad we get to watch more so we get to the resolution of that conflict. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. They're, they're fascinating characters, though. I think Yeah. David Lynch, I think, just likes to use trauma to talk about stuff or use very violent and scary and uncomfortable things to talk about things. So it's very easy to go, ugh, to all of this. But I think there's stuff that he's trying to say in there that is pretty important. What's no, the population of Twin Peaks? Like 53,000 some? Oh, it's I on just, the sign. It says keep, it on the I keep. I think it's 53,000 some. I keep looking at the sign every time and I'm just like, where are the rest of them? Because it feels like this is the like whole town. like two dozen people. Yeah. 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 Which I love. You know, like Stephen King does that same thing in books like Salem's Lot. And it's always, when, when somebody's like good at writing characters, it's always so fucking fun to just watch a full town of people. Yeah, exactly. It's fifty one thousand two hundred and one. I have I have thought before that it's unrealistic, um, and like just a constraint of writing, um, to only have like two dozen characters in a town that it, you know, you make a point to say it has fifty thousand or so. Like I live in a town of two hundred thousand people and my cast of characters in it's, my real life is like two dozen people. I was gonna say so like, like we It's like, oh wait, no, that's just you know, conveniently enough, fiction is kind of why how would life we works. Need to know? Life There's... mirrors art, you know. <laughs> Like, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just weird because like we don't see a lot of extras. 
and like everybody's like there's always multiple of these characters hanging out in the same place although, even though they're across age like a pretty wide age range although we kind of do in random ways david lynch is very loves his random fun stuff i wanted to bring up a couple of things there's a great scene in a veterinarian's office where Cooper is talking to Harry Truman and he's like, he's about to make this like important point about the investigation. And he just goes, Harry and a llama walks right up into his face yeah. and they simply, they stare at each other. Like <laughs> Kyle break. McLaughlin stares as much as don't the break. Yeah, like, I and then love it breaks shit. and walks away and he goes right back to what he was saying. <laughs> Like I saw that moment when I first watched the show, and I'm like, "This is the best." This, Dale yeah. Cooper is the best character ever, and this show is the best show ever. And he was like, "There's about to be fifty-one thousand two hundred and two <laughs> people who live in two weeks." <laughs> I tell well, yeah, you what, <laughs> I'm staying. Um, yeah, there's a there's a strange hunchback seamstress at the end of like towards the end of the show. That is gussying up Audrey for her. Oh yeah, that like like sneaks out the door. That hobbles out into a side door, and I'm like, what is going on here? What like why is this happening? <laughs> but like just random shit like that to add spice and character to what's going on. Yeah. And it works I out. was I go, I will be honest. I was expecting it to be weirder, and I know it's one of those things where everybody hypes up how weird it is, and <laughs> you get in there, and it's like there's the red room. Yes. And I was like, all right, it's just, <laughs> shit's getting started now. About to really ramp. Oh, nope. That was the weirdest thing he put in for the whole season. That was the segment. That was um, it. <laughs> and I believe it's, is it David Lynch that also did, do you know the, there's a mini series called Rabbits? I feel oh, like it was him. Yes. That was like really weird. And yes. Like, like nigh unwatchable. Uh, he took, he did that first and then he. I don't know how, but he basically rolled that up into making a movie called Inland Empire with Laura Dern. Like, and those uh, segments, like some of those segments are in the movie. But what? yeah, he was just fucking around with his fucking digital yeah. camera. And- I thought, but it was, I thought it was fucking fascinating. Yeah. That, 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 if you, if you have a chance, just, you, you just need to read about it. You don't, you probably don't need to watch it. Just read, read about yeah, it. They I do, mean- they like, they'll like ask, it's just a bunch of people in rabbit suits in a, in a <laughs> apartment together. And they'll like ask questions, yeah, and the Taylor's answer will come so multiple episodes later. Like the the dialogue is, com- it's like they they just cut up the the script and just swirled it all around. And it's, yeah, it's absolutely bananas. There's like a voice that will like a mouth that will enter the room, and like the the lights go dark, and they all like lift up candles, and like it's it's crazy. Yeah, I will say this. So in season two, there's more things. There's one thing specifically that I remember, and I'm like. Where is this in season one? The answer is it's in season two. But it's mm-hmm. like, I watched it. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Why would they put this? Like, what network executive said yeah to this? Like, it's not like, you know, insane for us. But like, it's still just like, Jesus. Uh, fuck. Okay. Hey, as long like, as it's not a penis or a vagina, it pretty much goes, you know? There's the the Hannibal story on NBC where. Love that story. The killer with the butt cracks. And they're like, we'll cover him in blood. And they went, yes, that's acceptable. And Brian Fuller went, what? Are you serious? What's the, like, the the Matt Stone Trey Parker? Uh, every decision, yes! every creative decision they made with bigger, longer, uncut was because the they like what is it? The MPAA said you can't do that, so they came back with something worse. And they're like, <laughs> so yeah, all right, I guess that's get- fine. Like, are you kidding me? That there's no rules. There's no there's there's a there's a pal, there's a Fight Club story with the similar thing. Helena, uh, they're filming this scene with Helena Bonham Carter and Brad Pitt, and the original line is, I I want to have your abortion and the like i feel like the director or someone was just like it was david fincher and he was just like oh whoa that's a pretty rough line and then they're like let's try something else and helen bottom carter goes i haven't been fucked like that since grade school and david fincher goes can we go back to the original line (laughs) (laughs) we're like the producer like the person who was like was like can we go back and they're like no that line's so much better we're going oh my god yeah so Insane. David Lynch movies, and again, this is a network television. They can only get so weird for stuff. You want weird, go to David Lynch movies. Just fucking watch almost any of them, except The Straight Story, which is a heartfelt, real thing about veterans and life, and it's an incredibly good cool. movie. But yeah. I'll go watch Dune, then. Fuck. I choose Dune. Wow. No? Why you gotta hurt Not yourself? That one. Why you wanna hurt yourself well, like that? Because there's that new movie coming out, I also no. have the mini series that I could lend you from the early 2000s. <laughs> I watch so all good. of these now. But yeah, um, 
that's Twin Peaks. It'll, Jorge, I guarantee there will be some weirder scenes. Cool. But yeah, that's the start. We're on the, the fucking road to the rest of Twin Peaks now. How are we, how are we feeling about it? Um, we didn't talk too much about like what we don't like about it, but there wasn't anything that like, stands out to. I just oh, don't. I, no, I just don't like love it, love it. You know. Yeah. But I like yeah. it fine. There's nothing that really stands out to me as like being like, oh, I. You know how normally I can go on for a while about all the shit that I found wrong with it, wrong with it, yeah. but it, you know, it could be a little dry at times. But it's it's I like I generally is like it. it. The script is just your... so good; it's hard to dislike. You know. I was gonna say, is it enough to keep your interest? Like, are you like I'm? Yeah. Okay, that's what I. Was, I that's so what the well, the well, we didn't talk about like the cliffhanger with Agent Cooper getting shot at the very end yeah. of the the first season. I'm like, I Thank almost you. just like kept watching right there, but I'm like, let me <laughs> not, so I don't even have to worry about giving out spoilers or anything. There you go. I, on the whole, I agree with Jorge. Um, I never did not. I never did not enjoy watching an episode, but at okay. the end of each one, it was always like, I'm not champing at the bit to watch the next one here. Like, okay. I will okay. watch the next one and I'm sure I'm going to love it. And the same thing, like be fascinated by it or like make a couple of comments like, Oh wow. That's, you know, like it's really good filming. Um, or like, yeah, I really <laughs> like this. Or like, that's an interesting thing you did there, but it's not one of those things that like m- makes me want to come back and come back and come back to it. Okay. And I, I wonder if my, the, it, and, and, and the impossible question is, I wonder if this would be different were I my age with my interest in 1991. Right. Sure. Um, right. And uh, I also, I've, I've had two false starts with Twin Peaks. So twice I've, I've tried to watch it and only didn't make it past the first few episodes. Oh, so this is my third time. I, that's this why is my was, second. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, and I can see. Yeah, some of those were like pretty far back. So like, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I'm the other thing is like I watched all of Breaking Bad and never like really like I did want to know what happened, but I was never like super into it until I finished the entire series. And there's like, oh, that that show is like actually really good. So maybe when that's what happened with, with Twin Peaks. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> maybe I know some people do with books. I, I, I'm the kind of person if I start a book, I'm gonna finish the book. But with TV shows, like. TikTok. If if I am not taken in, and it's it, like you get a couple episodes. Like I'm an anime watcher. Totally. I'll put in like ten episodes before I decide. To, yep. Oh, and I'll just you're very generous. Jump anime. right now. I done. My friends and I give it three episodes, and then we're done with an anime. <laughs> if it's not good, like, it's a, that's a better metric because I've just, I've been burned so hard. Yeah. On anime. By ten, you're like I ah, at least I know these characters, so I can keep going. It's like no, no, don't. You well, didn't know, want them at three. Psychopaths was one that I had to watch like 10 episodes. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm into this now. And like, oh, cool. There's one more episode until the finale. Like, well, oh, glad sure. I stuck around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Just> That's <laughs> I I got midway through season two of My Hero Academia before. Did not like super care that much. I was just like trying to, to stomach through it. It was fine, you know. The yeah. second time I decided to pick up where I left off like years later, which is now. Uh, and I'm like, oh my god, I cannot stop watching My Hero Academia. <laughs> what happened to me? Eating them up. So yeah, I did, it might be a episode. lot of episodes sometimes, you know? Fuck, so, yeah. Three, three is hard. Three is hard, so, I think. Fuck them. I'm excited. They should be a grown-up and do <laughs> have something good in the third episode you, so that I can stay for all of it. I, I will posit the, get... the reverse. If you start even one episode Sorry, of One Piece, you got to finish it. <laughs> Uh, my brother's caught up on the manga. Oh my god, no! caught up. Uh, he's been oh caught up god. for years. Oh, um, no. Well, you'd have to be, you know, at this point. Like, you, there's know, just not right? enough time. Um, but no, I, 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 I hope that the second season of Twin Peaks takes me in a way that I wasn't really taken with the first season. I'm really hoping to see the second peak here. Yeah, I I've heard. I know, okay. right? I, I, I read the Wikipedia the article. Twin. I know how. I know well, how it goes. There's. There's really good stuff in the second season. Okay, but there's okay, Brian. Bad Brian, okay. Stuff in yeah, I just, I just, just, I heard that like everybody lost interest like during the second season. We'll talk about <laughs> yeah. Awfully quick turnaround time for a show, but yes, I, I now that Again, now that I know banging around against Cheers and shit and fucking ABC was tossing it on every other day. Hey, they but at least literally at least it didn't have to fight the Big Bang Theory. You know? They did. They they had it against Cheers and against slowly losing ratings because yeah, I'd rather fucking watch Cheers most nights of the week so I don't have a fucking depressive episode watching Twin Peaks and fucking killing myself. Then they put the finale on Wednesday instead of Thursday, and Oops. shock of the century, it did way better. 
Like, who would have guessed that the season finale did a bunch of numbers when it didn't have to compete against fucking Cheers? L. O. L. Cheers yeah. is a juggernaut of American television. Also, I also want to point out that I saw... Uh, yeah, not captured Never, by Cheers. I haven't watched a single someone, episode. No, I don't think. I think I've seen like a episode. Yeah, and like, I, I I saw an image recently that someone says, um, "Look at the beers that they pour in Cheers. They are ninety percent foam. Like every oh, every single time, disgusting. like seven seasons oh, no. across. Just like Pathetic. what the fuck." <laughs> uh, but yes, I'd say we are friends on 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 Twin Peaks. Yeah, season yeah. one, hundred percent for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah season okay. one. Red. Unless unless Brian, you think that you love Twin Peaks and you think we're awful for not. Not I don't. Too. I can't stress enough how much every David Lynch thing I show to someone is with cautious, with trepidatious optimism. Where I'm like, I it'd be cool if they liked this, but if they don't, I a hundred percent get it. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Cool. All, All right. right. Well, keep an eye out. Sometime in the next month, we'll all watch the second season. We'll come at you with the second half, uh, second of four parts of our Twin Peaks. Unless. It goes real bad, and then maybe it'll be Unless three we parts also and lose interest. Or it'll be like, no. <laughs> um, it's going to be pro wrestling all over again. We'll start I'll, leaving. Can, I'm going to be I'm on gonna... the last one by myself going, hey, everybody, it's Brian from Are We Friends? <laughs> like, who killed Laura Palmer by Brian Miller? <laughs> <laughs> In the scene with the antlers. Uh, <laughs> I... I think Twin Peaks is important enough that I've always wanted to finish the whole thing, <sighs> regardless of whether I liked it or not. Okay. So yeah. I, I will be, I will be com- be seeing this to completion. <laughs> so willingly, excitedly, or even enjoyably, or not, we will see you later. Uh, until that time, you can always catch up on some of our other projects. We've got uh, another podcast, Outlaws and Old Ones, which comes out every day after are we friends that is a recording and a cleaned up version of our live show outlaws and old ones which happens every thursday night at 7 p.m on twitch.tv slash the outlaws network it's a hilarious fun entirely improvised game of call of cthulhu we do it with john sometimes emily both of whom are from our sister podcast downtime with john and emily you can find their stuff on getdowny.com or at downy siblings wherever you find Podcasts. Podcasts. Social media related. Siblings. Social media stuff. Speaking of which, our social medias are Instagram and Twitter, both of which are at underscore are we friends, all one word, or our website, which is r we friends.com. I have been your co-host who will now only be known as Jay Taylor. I have been your log, Brian. (laughs) And I'm still just Jorge. And we will talk to you next week. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is, excuse me, a damn fine cup of coffee.